Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome in to the OBR Film Breakdown. I'm your host, Jake Burns, and we are coming at you on your Monday for a review podcast after your Cleveland Browns lost 23-20 in Atlanta. And I'm going to be pretty honest. I'm going to keep this one short because I don't think you guys are in the mood for a long podcast. I think you're pretty pissed off. I think the franchise is pretty pissed off. Players, coaches, everybody involved. And rehashing every single thing from this game is not worth anybody's time. So I think we'll talk about some important stuff, go through the stats, and then we'll, we'll put a bow on this thing. We'll do more in-depth after I consume some All-22, have a better feel for how things shook out. I've got some baseline stuff to talk about, but we're not going to spend a long time on this game. So um, we'll go through stats. We'll start there. And again, I talked about pregame. If you listen to Sunday morning's podcast, can they create pressure packages? I felt like they got pressure on the quarterback through different methods. Maybe didn't get him down for a sack in this game very often. I don't even know if they ended up getting him down for a sack. I think actually Jordan Elliott had one. But they had a decent amount of pressures. Mario had only threw the football 19 times. He ran it five times. That means he got out of uh, some sticky situations here and there. The run lane, sorry, rush lane discipline of this second group, because it's a lot of different faces, depth people playing on the Browns deal. It was atrocious. That's the biggest thing we got to talk about at some point is how bad the rush lane discipline was and how it created uh, issues. Because, like, you're mad at the end of the game about the coverage bust that leads to a 40, air quotes, coverage bust that leads to a 42-yard uh, Olamide Zacchaeus catch that that busts the uh, gate open after the Browns punted the football down to the 10 line, which I hope Ronnie Harrison, you figure he's been around football long enough, he know not to pick that thing up at the 10-yard line, let it roll down to pretty much the one-yard line. But that's neither here nor there. Apparently, we can't get that stuff through from a special teams coach to, to players on the field that can't hit home. But anyway, um, you know, that, that play, you know, you, it's cover three and the initial read is taken away. They do a great job in the secondary, taking it away. Mariota gets out of the pocket and rolls left. And at that point, eyes are on the quarterback where he's rolling, but he has a, nobody stopping him from getting out of the pocket and drifting left and B nobody near him. So obviously eyes go on the quarterback. You got five seconds to throw it. Somebody's going to be open across the field, and that's what happened. You got nobody getting home. You only blitz four. Uh, you know, bring four, and they and not just bring four, but those four guys lose run lane discipline. That's what you you get. It's not a coverage bust. It's just a, it's a, it's terrible discipline up front, and that leads to somebody getting open downfield. Five seconds for anybody to get open in the NFL is going to happen, no matter what. So. I just had to kind of address that. I just didn't think they played well up front, but I did think they manipulated some things to get some open opportunities to get after the quarterback, and they did okay there. So in this game, Cleveland more first downs, 22-19. to 19. Better on third down, well, relatively. 5 of 14, 3 for 9 for Atlanta. Total net yards, 403 Cleveland, 333 Atlanta. Offensive plays, Cleveland 71-55 to 55 for Atlanta. Net rushing, 177 for Cleveland. Big difference to the formula we've been seeing is 202 rushing for Atlanta. Passing for Cleveland, 226. Atlanta, 131. Penalties, seven Cleveland Browns penalties to only one for Atlanta. Two turnovers to one for Cleveland. Uh, Cleveland had two. Atlanta had one. Both teams punt three times. Cleveland held um, uh, one more field goal attempt for the Falcons. The the difference in the game, 23-20. All of that stuff. And again, the formula again, the time of possession. 35 minutes of possession for Cleveland, 24 minutes for Atlanta. The two turnovers are costly. You know, you look at the early part of the game. The first half of this game was, it was so important. And we're going to get to it in a minute, but we'll talk about capitalizing off those turnovers. Real quick, we'll run through stats. Uh, on Cleveland side, Brissett goes 21 of 35. That's just too many throws. I, I mean, I get it. 
They don't want to throw that much. They ran it pretty well. Chubb ran 19 for 118 and a touchdown. Kareem Hunt 10 for 49. Jacoby Brissett 5 for 16 and a touchdown. Um, so, I mean, but they, they, they threw it 35 times, 234. He had the interception to close the game. David Njoku had seven targets, five catches, 73. Donovan Peoples-Jones, five catches, 71 yards on nine targets. David Bell, nine for 34. Sorry, three targets, two catches for 35 yards. Nice David Bell performance. A couple nice catches. Kareem Hunt, two for 19, four for 18 for Harrison Bryant. Chubb, two for nine. And Amari Cooper only targeted four times. One catch, nine yards. I think that's just going to happen sometimes. Like They're going to take advantage of other situations. And I thought they actually did do okay in the passing game for the most part. Some missed opportunities, but for the most part, pretty good. Jacob Phillips had seven tackles. JOK, seven tackles. John Johnson, five. Grant Delp at four. Rochelle, Alex Wright, Sione Taki Taki also with four. Denzel Ward had the interception on a nice play uh, after he uh, you know uh, let the touchdown happen earlier in the game on a, on a bounced run from Cordell Patterson. But... Uh, on the other side, let's go through Atlanta just quickly. Tyler Algier ran for uh, 10 times 84 yards. This Huntley, I got Caleb Huntley, I don't know his first name, never heard of him. Uh, number 42, uh, 10, 10 attempts, 56 yards, a touchdown. Cordero Patterson, 9 for 38 and a touchdown. Uh, um, Mariota, 7 for 19, 139 with an interception. Zacchaeus had that singular catch for 42 yards to make him the leading receiver on the day, 2 for 55. Otherwise, everybody else was held in check. Drake London had 2 for 17. Algier had 1 for 20. Um, a tight end, Hesse had one for 22. Kyle Pitts, the stud tight end, 25 yards, just one catch. Held everything in check there. Grady Jarrett had a massive sack at the end of the game, hit hit Joel Batonio with a club rip to bring Brissett down on that final drive on second down uh, to put them into an even longer third and 23. Just a great move by Grady Jarrett uh, to get their lone sack of the day. And then um, Alford, I think Dan Alford, I think that's his first name, had the interception to close out the game. So those are your stats. Let's talk through, we're going to take a break and we're going to talk through a couple big parts of this, you know, A, what happened in this game, and B, the bigger picture. So we'll be right back after a quick break from Blue Wire Sponsors. No House Advantage is changing the game by offering the most dynamic fantasy sports platform today. Playing pick'em contests versus other people for the shot at winning 250 k in cash alone. Download the app, choose a contest, select your player props, earn points for correct picks, and climb your leaderboard for a shot to win big money every single day. You can also test your skills versus the house and 20 times your entry if you hit all your picks. Bet on up to five player props, even those over-unders or individual player matchups across every major sports league, including the NFL, NBA, MLB, PGA, MMA, and NASCAR. Sign up with this promo code which is very simply for the fans of this podcast, OBR. Use that promo code OBR at nohouseadvantage.com or download the app on the App Store and get a first deposit match up to $25. So again, promo code OBR. Make sure to check out No House Advantage today and experience daily fantasy sports redefined because it's not just how you play, but also where you play. You won't want to miss out on this. Again, that promo code OBR, nohouseadvantage.com. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, 
So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Okay, I think the first half is where you have to kind of peel back and look at why things didn't come together. Um, it's pretty frustrating. So... In the first drive of the game, the Browns go down the football field. They have a really successful run-pass balance. Um, you know, you're looking at, I'm trying to pull up the drive stats as we go through here. The first drive, they go eight plays, 76 yards. They end up getting down to the Atlanta four-yard line. Here's what happened. So first down, they run wide zone. First and 10 from the 12, uh, run wide zone for a yard. So it's second and nine. Second down, they uh, run a spacing concept with the middle settle from Harrison Bryant, catch it down to the three-yard line, so it's second, or sorry, I believe now at this point it is third and two. For some reason, Kevin decides to run hurry up. They go hurry, and it's something they probably picked up in scouting that maybe Atlanta wasn't prepared for this stuff, but they ran hurry up, and then they ran a little tight zone to the right side, and Atlanta just sniffed it out. Nobody blocked the safety, and uh, he came downfield, down you know downhill, mid-tackle, and it's all of a sudden fourth and three. The Browns run... Uh, come out, you hear him make a can call in fourth and three. They don't take the points. Can call in fourth and three. The Harrison Bryant was in the backfield. He steps up. They eventually go three out. They protect seven, and they release three people. Uh, the outside guys kind of run fades, and you get a, a little uh, inside slant route from from Cooper. That's all the options he had. So he got out of the pocket, and I know there's some still pictures of of uh, Nick Chubb kind of lingering in the end zone, uh, not in the end zone, but sort of back toward the middle of the field. You can't see that. That'd be impossible to see. Now, as he's bearing down on the sideline, you don't want him to necessarily throw it away because there's no outcome that's any good there. But uh, at that point, like, <laughs> it's really, it's it's rough for him to see it. It's it's easy to still photo that, but it's rough for him to see it. But, I mean, I guess, like, you throw an interception, they catch it in the end zone, they get it out at the twenty. If you don't throw an interception there, they get it at the three. So you got him kind of backed up. So I I get you don't want him to throw it away, but it's not the worst outcome given that an interception puts it at the twenty yard line on the other, uh, you know, at the at the change of possession. But anyway, I just didn't like the scheme, and I think Kevin had a. I I mean, I would put it in his top five worst games overall, uh, and I, and I thought they should still have won this game, but just his top five worst games overall. I I didn't like a lot of the decisions he made, especially in the tight stuff down in the goal line. So anyway, the Browns get no points. You got him backed up to the three yard line, and Atlanta goes down the field. Fourteen plays, eighty four yards, ends up kicking a field goal. The Browns do get a stop inside that territory. The next time out. David Njoku catches a football on a screen, I believe, uh, stumbles upfield and fumbles. So now it's Atlanta football back quickly. They go three plays, 31 yards. This is the Denzel Ward missed bounce. He doesn't maintain responsibility for the bounce. 
uh, as the force defender uh, at corner, and it's a touchdown. All of a sudden, it's 10-0, but Cleveland does a good job. Comes back out, 16 plays, 75 yards, touchdown. Inside of that, the red zone stuff there was kind of weird, right? They get it down there inside the uh, 10-yard line. Uh, they run a wide zone first down play uh, from the first and 10, first and goal from the 10-yard line goes for one yard. Second down, they run a play action, and if you recall, they ran the similar play to Jacoby, or sorry, to Odell Beckham against Minnesota last year, where they run like a slant return and go. Oh, uh, Baker Mayfield missed him on it, and and they couldn't throw this one; it was well covered. But that was the concept; didn't have it. He had to throw it away. So now it's third down, and again, third down from like the eight yard line, and they they run a really simple concept. It's a two by two speed out fade, uh, fade slant option. Uh, on both sides, and it's really easily covered. The back leaks out up the middle of the field, but he's pretty well covered. It's not a great option route from the running back or like a Texas route or something different. And the, Jacoby Brissett just made a heck of a play. That's the only reason they scored there to get it to 10-7, but that was not a very crisp red zone oper- operation there. But nonetheless, they do score. Nice play from Brissett. As I said, 16 plays, 75 yards. They get Atlanta off the field the next time out. Three plays, six yards, get a punt. Browns get it back. They go 13 plays, 79 yards, including the big third down and one throw, which is a great call, great great throw, great catch, down to the one-yard line. It's first and goal, one-yard line, in, inside a minute. They run a dive on first down. Nick Chubb, which is, I thought was a fine call. They they, they put Nick uh, kind of in an up back. He, he takes care of it, gets down even closer. He ends up fumbling it. They said his forward progress was stopped, which uh, I agree with. I, it was a tight call. I've seen that go the other way many times, but... They, they get a break there, so but anyway, now it's second down. So second and goal from the one, like just run two concepts or a very simple play action. I don't know if they had like something where they, they decipher teams are jumping inside to take away the sneak, and they thought they could get away with this, but they put in Yodi Froholt, and they put him in the wing, and they put Nick really tight behind the quarterback and decided to run a three-step drop with Froholt in the flat left, a speed out from Bryant. Uh, on the left side, and then another speed out to the right. It made no sense. It was so easily covered. They double-teamed the two uh, on his left, double-teamed Bryant to the left, and Joku was easily covered on the right. It made no sense. Down there on the goal line, this is the biggest confusing call of the game to me because down there on the goal line, your ability to mirror run and pass and take advantage of that, and even just sometimes I think, listen, I'm the most... I support Kevin Stefanski. I think he does a great job. I think he thinks a lot of things through, but there are times where it's like, hey, man, you do need to just do what you're good at. Either sneak it or give it to your best player in the backfield, and there was no reason to get cute there. Jacoby Brissett scrambles to get out of that situation, and when he's scrambling right on a quick three-step drop, offensive linemen don't want to give up upfield penetration. They get a hold. So now it's second and you know second and goal from the 14 or whatever. They do set up a really nice screen. They motion to empty with uh, Kareem Hunt in the right slot, motioning to empty. But the this is a theme of the six screens the Brown threw on the day, and it felt like so many more. But six screens is what True Media has them charted at. It's just it's knocked down. If that if that screen doesn't get tipped and be and, and knocked down the line of scrimmage, it's probably a touchdown. Atlanta's chasing. They're in man to man. They're chasing all the way up the field. The one man responsible for Kareem Hunt was blocked up. The ball just got tipped, didn't get to him. So now it's third down. They throw a ball into the left corner of the end zone that sails out, and you get three points. That's extremely frustrating. Think about that, guys. It should have been at the minimum seventeen to ten at half. Seventeen ten. That's just saying if you took the first field goal. And then you 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 scored a touchdown from the one yard line right before half. So, it, but you go in ten ten, extremely frustrating for everybody involved. So, I, like I get it, 
that 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 to me was where the game hinged. Like the Browns should have been up 17-10 at the end of the first half. But they come back out. They do a great job getting off the field. They get an interception after both teams go three and out. Uh, Atlanta goes uh, three out, uh, three and out only gains four yards. So Cleveland gets it first. They gain eight, have to punt. Atlanta goes three and out, gains four, has to punt. Cleveland gets it back, three punt. Atlanta gets it back, four plays, end up punting. Um, ends up a net negative 16 yards for them total on that drive. But anyway, it's now we're in the late third quarter uh, after the Browns get it back. So they get it back off of an interception. Uh, this is a nice play from Denzel Ward, undercutting a, a crossing route. Does a great job, picks it off. And this is, again, a theme. They get this interception. It's at the Atlanta 27 to start the drive. They go seven plays, 16 yards, and can't get in the end zone. That's extremely frustrating, right? I think it was a 17, at least deep in Atlanta uh, portion of the field. But they only get it to 13-10 at that point. So that's for, And then Atlanta figures out, like, we can't throw it. We're just going to run it. And they just ran it like crazy. Their next three drives, 10 for 75, all runs, touchdown. Next drive, 7 for 70, field goal. Next drive, 6 for 49, field goal. They just ran the football like mad like that's just the, the listen after the 84 yard start here's Atlanta's possessions in between the three uh at the end 31 yards they end up scoring a touchdown on the quick uh quick you know change of field on the Njoku fumble but six negative one four negative 16 and 18 that's all they they then they figured out hey we're just going to run it we're just going to load up on tight ends the Browns are trying to match it in base and they just got their will taken and this is where I think you can get mad about depth and things of that nature and, and some of it has to land in Andrew Barry's lap because they're just not good enough up front they weren't good enough they were getting their will taken from them now the Browns defense it's important to understand they do base a lot of what they do in run game defense off of their edges because teams can't run outside. You don't run outside on Miles Garrett. You don't run outside on Genevieve and Clowney. You can't do it. You can try. You can give it a couple goes, but you can't really do it. So teams are forced to run interior concepts, and that helps your linebackers eliminate a lot of run concepts. And when Atlanta was able to just kind of run a lateral, tight zone, wide zone, and just kind of cut up Cleveland from inside out, it's a big problem. They, they had no answer for it, and it was pretty embarrassing. Not to say the Browns didn't do their own thing. They got the football back, went six plays, 75 yards of their own, got back down to the field, uh, back down the field for a touchdown to, uh, uh, to take a 20-17 to 17 lead at that point. Uh, so at that point, you know, like I said, 20-17, to 17, Atlanta gets it back after Cleveland punts. Uh, they go down that seven plays, 70 yards, kick a field goal. The big play at the end, though, kind of hinges on, that third and seven, the Browns have it, right? It's 20 to 20. They throw a third and seven at about midfield, and Harrison Bryant doesn't bring it in, or it's a little too wide. I'll have to watch the tape. They decide to punt. We talked about this now at the beginning. The punt ends up landing. Ten could have just let it roll back and bury them deeper to have to change their entire playbook plan. Nonetheless, Atlanta goes six plays, 49 yards, kicks a field goal. Cleveland comes back out. They throw the interception. That's the end of the game. So, where are you at mentally? You're pissed. You're no. I I am too, man. Like it's frustrating to watch a team lose two of the first four when they should have won all four of them. the The Jets game is laughable debauchery. This one, it was there. It was there for the taking. The first half miscues uh, cost them. I think, in my opinion, because it changes the course of the scoreboard and it changes the course of how Atlanta has to play. Uh, it changes everything. They still had so many opportunities to to win this game, man. And 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 you should be mad at coaching. You should be mad at the uh, at certain aspects of the defense. You should be mad at the front office for not giving some good, be, you know, better depth at certain positions. You got a lot of things that you can be mad, at. and you can be mad at Kevin Stefanski this game. I think it's justified. I don't think he was very good. But what are you going? What are they going to do? They they can't fire everyone. That's not a thing. 
right now. Now, if the season goes to the way, to the to the sides, uh, you know, wayward, and, and they they end up being like I don't know five and ten at some point or something, it gets way worse. They will fire people, but right now you can't. You cannot just fire people. It's like that's not a thing. Like at this point, you're still your season's still alive. I don't know if you know this, but everybody else in the division is two wins. The top teams have two wins. Pittsburgh's one and three. I told you they were going to go through a miserable season. It's happening. Uh, they're one and three. The Bengals are two and two. The Ravens are two and two. The Browns are two and two. Can the Browns get to five wins before the eleven game suspension ends? That's the goal. There are winnable games that maybe we didn't think were quite as winnable coming up. It's frustrating. You're allowed to be pissed. I'm mad. Kevin's probably mad too. These guys should be upset. But right now, Kevin's got a lot of challenges looming. He's going to have to make decisions on people he's considered friends in the industry for a long time that are just not getting it done. And he's going to have to do it to. I, I just. I'm not saying it's guaranteed he's going to have to do these things, but it's pushing very, very much in that direction that he's going to have to make some really hard decisions. I think he's a great offensive mind. I think he's a great play caller, but he wasn't good today. He wasn't good. And that doesn't mean that it, it eliminates all the great things he's done earlier this year. It does not mean that. And I, and I get it. You maybe want a yeller and a screamer. You maybe want a guy who goes into the post-game uh, media session and blames people and yells at people. I don't want that. That's not a guy that I would like to play for. It's not a leader, right? I can guarantee you behind closed doors he's holding people accountable. But things do need to change. Results do need to get better. And you should expect that as a fan. Seven penalties to Atlanta's one is not fun. That's not right. The Browns have to be better. And ultimately... These things either get rectified over the course of the coming years. I do feel like Jimmy Haslam's committed to Kevin Stefanski and Andrew Barry for at least another couple years. Uh, And and I'm not even, I think they're great. I really do think this is the right group. I know, I mean, listen, I know that Patriots fans yell at Bill Belichick. They're still mad at him. They claim for him to be fired. Mike Tomlin always gets yelled at to be fired in Pittsburgh. Places that have had all all this long-term success you love to point at, they've also have people in their fan base that yell and want them fired. That's not what we're here to do. I don't think they need to be fired. I think they've got smart people doing some things. Now, there's going to be some accountability that comes about later when things are dire, if they get there. But for now, you cannot just fire people week four into the season. They're going to have to write it out. So I pay attention to how do they figure it out? What do they do? What do they adjust from here? Uh, there, There have been some things. There were some good signs in this game, but they let it slip away. And ultimately, this is my thought. Other teams are paid too, and they made more plays, and that happens on Sundays sometimes. And yeah, you can get mad and nitpick and Kevin and do a lot of that, and I get it, but the Atlanta Falcons just made more plays. Some days the Browns make more plays, some days the opposing team does. I get it, but but we all live and die in the moment on Sundays, and it doesn't always have to be like that. Like Step back and look at the bigger picture. They're not out of anything. They haven't lost anything early in the season. Now, these games we might want back, and we're frustrated by it. I get it. But there's a whole process going on here, and they've been in every game, and they should be 4-0. They really have a right to be claimed that they should be 4-0. And that shoulda, coulda, woulda, shit, I get it. Like, I understand. But they're in games, and they're doing a lot of great things. They're not far away. They're really not far away. So I do hope that you can just hang in. There's going to be some bumpy road stuff that happens. And if you want to understand a little bit more, and I've said this a few times, if you want to understand why... Why did the Browns feel so desperate to go out and get a quarterback like Deshaun Watson? You know, why did they do that? Well, understand this. You're looking to create bigger margins for error every week, every single week. Look at this game, for example. A goal line throw to Nick Chubb, they kind of, if you have a great quarterback, he maybe finds him, right? Uh, Opportunities where scrambling could create some extra time, create some extra windows to throw to, and maybe make a miraculous throw. The margin for error with the Browns is tight. 
they need a guy at quarterback. And go watch the Bills-Ravens game and watch how Josh Allen played. And I'm not claiming Deshaun is as great as Josh Allen's playing right now, but watch all the things that if that quarterback got sacked or if he didn't get away from that pressure changes the entire course of the discussion point. If, if the Browns have just a little better quarterback, and I'm not saying that Jacoby's playing poorly, but I'm talking about when crunch time happens, the difference between a little, you know, a, a surviving a Grady Jarrett hit and spinning out of it and getting out and making a play, that's the difference between winning and losing week to week in the NFL. These games are all tight. They, they move on like one or two plays, sometimes three or four plays within a game dictate the entire outcome. These are all unbelievable athletes, the best teams and the worst teams. There's this, this, this little window where certain plays change everything. And if you have, a, if you have an elite quarterback... He can make a game that you lose 23-20. You find a way to win it 27-20. And maybe all the same things went wrong today, but hey, you got a guy that overco- that has overcome it. And I think that's, that is the biggest thing to me when you're looking at why did the Browns go make this risky move for a quarterback that can do all of these extra things and make all these extra throws. This game is an example why. The Browns have to call really great plays pretty often. They have guys like Nick who can overcome things in Amari, yeah, but they got to call great plays. The defense has to play great, and like the window for air is tight. And what do you do? How do you make up for those little, those little tight spots where things don't go your way based on the outcome unfolding, like the play unfolding? It shouldn't go your way. Well, let's find somebody who can overcome those things, those odds, and make a big play, create something out of nothing. That's the reason why Atlanta, the Panthers, all these teams went after Deshaun Watson because he can do those things. So maybe you don't lose this game 27 or sorry 23-20, you win it 27-23. Maybe you put up 34 against the Jets and it changes the outcome. I'm just saying this is a window into why because these things move on one drive. It can move on one drive and one play within a drive can change it all. So that's something to consider. That that there is a player like that who we think is going to be joining the team later in the season. A player you might not like the off-field stuff, that's fine, but that it gives an example for, for why the Browns and so many other teams in the NFL felt desperate to go get them because you need guys who look at the baseline of a play, the outcome that's expected based on the defense, the receivers, the routes run, the blocking, and can overcome all of that and make something spectacular happen. That's the crux of it. That's what you're trying to chase in the NFL these days. And it's not to say Jacoby's bad. It's not. He played pretty well for the most part today. But you're looking for more. How do we get more out of that position? we got a great run game that can do a bunch of stuff. But where do we need more? There's your answer. So you're pissed. You should be. The Browns lose 23-20. Hopefully you got some perspective out of this. Maybe you didn't. I don't expect everybody to agree with me, but I'm trying to paint the picture of why firings don't happen sooner and what we should be paying attention to tomorrow's podcast, which is the All-22 Breakdown, goes way more into detail of what happens. So check that one out if you're into it. Uh, otherwise, guys, thanks for stopping by on this Monday. I hope your day gets better. I uh, hope you uh, find some joy from this podcast. Thanks for stopping by. Like I said, appreciate it. Check out the OBR. Have a great Monday, and go Browns.